Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. 503, thank you for joining us. Tiger is here producing. Brad Swale is sitting in today for Melinda. She returns tomorrow. Let's go to Steve in Round Rock on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you? Well, so far, so good. How about yourself? Very well, Steve. Thank you. Uh, about the uh, about what he said about a sanctuary city, it doesn't mean that they can go out and cause mayhem and all this. They have to. They have to let them go on a lesser charge, or they have to find a way to uh, go lightly with them. Because if you are caught committing a crime in the United States, according to the law, if you're not here legally. You have to be deported either at the end of your term or depending on the severity, you have to be remanded to the government of Mexico. So a sanctuary city does have to, like, uh, reinterpret the law, so to speak. Have you worked in this field, Steve? Uh, No, but I'm from San Antonio, and I used to work uh, downtown, and I... I had some. I worked with uh, mentally ill people and had to call the police a lot. And were any of them uh, not in the country legally? Were they here illegally at any point? Well, we never had that issue in our neighborhood where I was. All right, very good, Steve. Thank you. You have a good afternoon. We also want to get you up to date on the hearings today in D.C. in the Senate with the CEOs of the big social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, X, you've got the idea. TikTok, Snapchat, they were all there facing off with U.S. senators. And the senators said, we want you here today because the threats against America's young people are growing. Very serious threats have been increasing in severity and intensity. And we do not believe that you, the social media platforms, are doing nearly enough to, to protect America's young people from these threats. So that that was the backdrop of this hearing today. Yeah, it, it seems like social media is the bane of many a young person's existence, and young people may not even really realize that. The, the mental anguish that it's causing, the mental uh, diseases that it might be calling, de- depression, body dysmorphia, all sorts of stuff, social anxieties. Yes, yes. Right? In addition to that, senators said they're concerned about how drug dealers are getting on these platforms and arranging drug deals with youngsters, and some of them end up overdosing. They're also concerned that sexual perverts, monsters, are preying on teenagers on these platforms. Yeah. uh, Luring them into evil things. Yeah. So that's, that's the focus of all these hearings today. I don't know that we came away with any concrete agreement on either side on what to do next, though. Yeah, I don't know. 
you know, we've had these hearings before in the past, and it seems like social media companies really just kind of can do whatever they want. They'll do these hearings. They'll say things. The, you know, the, the senators or Congress people, they'll, they'll get their sound bites, and then it just sort of goes away for another year, and then it happens again. You know, uh, Meta says that they, they spent $5 billion in the past year to try to improve safety and security, mm-hmm. and yet this stuff is still happening. You know, maybe it's something inherent to the app. Maybe there's something inherent to what they what they have produced that leads to this these sort of uh, bad outcomes. Some of the senators are suggesting that one answer here might be to amend the law and allow parents to file civil lawsuits if their children slash teens suffer some sort of harm from what's happening on a social media platform. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, the platforms, for the most part, are shielded. Yeah from those kinds of lawsuits. Here's Senator Amy Klobuchar, who seems to be leaning in the direction of opening up the ability of parents to sue these social media platforms. We've got to make this simpler for parents so they can protect their kids, and I just don't think this is going to be the way to do it. I think the answer is what Senator Graham has been talking about, which is opening up the halls of the courtroom um, so that puts it on you guys to protect these parents and protect these kids. Yes. Parents should have the ability to sue these platforms in civil court. Lindsey Graham, you just heard her mention him. Here's Lindsey Graham. He was in this hearing as well today. Every American who's been wronged has to have somebody to go to to complain. There's no commission to go to that can punish you. There's not one law in the book because you oppose everything we do. And you can't be sued. That has to stop, folks. That's Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina. Yeah, and what's worse is if if something happens, you it's very very difficult to make a complaint and actually talk to someone at one of these companies and say, "Hey, this is what's happening and, you know, it harmed me in this way or you need to do something about it." It's almost impossible to talk to anybody and resolve your issue. You know, that might be a place to start. You know, I actually have people you can contact and talk to representatives mm-hmm. that you know hey my child is on here and that you know this is happening you need to do something about this account that they're interacting with right i think that that would be a good first step yes right i think a direct line of communication that is two-way is timely yeah and and gives a real solution to the situation to yeah. the satisfaction of the parents I- Absolutely. And as it stands right now, a lot of times you can make complaints like legitimate complaints, even on some of the most heinous of, of cases, including, I believe, you know, child pornography and, and trafficking, stuff like that. And sometimes the, you make the, the complaint and it gets denied for whatever reason. Here is Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Meta, the parent company for Facebook and Instagram. He was in the hearing. Parents should have the final say on what apps are appropriate for their children and shouldn't have to upload their ID every time. That's what app stores are for. We also support setting industry standards on age-appropriate content and limiting signals for advertising to teens to age and location and not behavior. Parents, is that answer satisfactory? Do you feel better hearing that? Do you, what do you think of that? 512-836-0590. Brad and I would really like to get your thoughts on this entire issue. Also, this idea from some of the senators, it's time to amend the law and allow people to sue in civil court, sue the social media platforms for what happens on those platforms, the content there. 
if someone directly is harmed by what occurs there? Yeah, I think parents are probably not going to be satisfied with that answer that it's up that it, that they are responsible. It's up to them. I think it's the right answer, but I think generally parents are going to have a hard time with that because parents are stretched so thin right now with so much going on and navigating all of this new technology that they didn't have when they were a kid and you know kids acting up that's that's a hard thing to do. They need to do it anyway, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. So I could see I could definitely see parents saying, Congress, you need to do something about this. Let's go to Brian in Buda. It's 5-11. Brian, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Um, so I don't, I personally don't think it's a Internet, social media thing. I think the problem with social media is different than this because I'm 54. I think I'm a bit older than y'all. Um, but when I was a kid... If we wanted porn, we found porn. And we found stuff that we shouldn't have watched. I mean, I wasn't really even involved in the seek and find, but I was exposed to it because my friends were. And I think it's the same thing online. When my son was 10, he had some friends over for a birthday party, and they, one of the friends was on the computer looking at stuff he shouldn't have looked at and the other boys just shunned him they walked away because their parents had been communicating with them and raising them and talking to them about this ahead of time so i really feel like the issue is is the disconnect with the way families work and i'm sorry you can say how hard well i don't i'm not saying you i'm saying in general but People can say how hard parents work today. My parents struggled to raise my sister and I. And, you know, we were exposed to some of this, and we turned out to be okay people. My son, my daughter, they were exposed to it. They turned out to be good people. I don't think it's the Internet's fault. I think it's the parents' fault. All right, Brian, thanks. Good to hear from you, sir. Have a nice evening. We appreciate it. We will work in more of your comments coming up just ahead. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Brad Swale. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show, streaming live on the News Radio KLBJ app. Let's go to Laura at 515. Welcome to KLBJ. How are you, Laura? Good. Great. Um, I just wanted to say that it's ultimately the parents' responsibility to let their kids have social media. To not. To, to not. To not let them have social media. Okay. And and do you think a lot of parents are, for whatever reason, not willing to say no to their kids? Yes. Yes. It's it's hard yeah, that, to say no. I, I I understand. It can be hard it's, to say it's no. It's actually not. It's not hard. Well, you have <laughs> because, to. It's the right well, thing to do. You have to say no. And it's the way that you raise your family. It's, it's, I have my daughter in the car right now. She's a junior in high school and she has no social media and she does not care about it. Good for her. You sound like you have a great daughter. Well, I do, but it's all about, it's all about who's raising her too. Laura, what did, I'm sorry, go ahead, Laura. No, I, I, She's probably one, I bet you there's only, okay, we go to a very small school, but I bet you only five to eight more people in her school do not have social media. Everyone else has it. Everybody. 
And what do they say to your daughter about her lack of having it? I don't think they ask her things. I think they're they're just like we. They know why she doesn't have it because 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 it causes so much drama. I would think that at at, at this day and age that it might be a, a status a status symbol if you don't have it like it is. Maybe, maybe you're actually cooler if you don't have it yeah and i think it's not that you're cooler i think it's that um you don't need to be involved in that you have other things to do with your life so laura do you agree that there are serious things happening to young americans who are on social media in some cases but is your point we still have to rely on the parents to deal with this, not rely on the government or these companies? Yes. Um, I do. There are horrific things going on online. And if I'm correct, I don't know who said it on, on um, uh, at the hearing today, but and it wasn't Mr. Zuckerberg, but I think it was maybe his assistant or someone that works for him. She said that they had already removed one million photos of self-harm and i can't remember if that was in a month or a year and that's just that ought to tell parents right there of what is going on on online and that's just one subject yes that's just one subject social media will rob you of your children i promise you it, it can. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you, Laura. We appreciate it. 512-836-0590. Yes, Brad. Yeah. It, in the story here, it even says that Meta reported about 27.2 million instances of suspected child sexual abuse material on its main platforms to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 2022. And the U.S. total for all, all platforms was about 32 million in 2022. So Meta had 27.2 out of the 32 million in 2022. That's a lot of child sexual abuse material that it caught, and I can only imagine how much it didn't catch. That's scary. It, it really is scary for everyone, all citizens, whether you have kids yeah, or not. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's go to Robert at 519 on KLBJ. Hey, Robert, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking the call. I um, have a little bit of a different attitude on this, and I, I'm agreeing with the, it is about parents, but I think it's disingenuous for us as conservatives to even have this stance. When you think about it, if you just substituted the word guns instead of social media, we would be up in arms about the idea of the government needs to control guns. But yet we're asking the government to control social media. The problem isn't the tool. The problem, just like with guns, is the person using the tool. Well, I think that there's a a, uh, a pretty big difference between guns and social media, and I think you probably understand that too. Guns are, you know, we have we're allowed to have guns for self defense. Uh, to protect ourselves, protect our property, stuff like that. Social media doesn't do anything like that, right? Actually, it, it provides freedom of speech, an opportunity to self-expression, have expression. Right, but so, child, child sexual abuse and child pornography is not freedom of speech. No, it's not. That's someone improperly using a tool. Sure. The problem isn't the tool. The problem's the person. Just like when someone uses a gun inappropriately, the problem isn't the gun. The problem is the person behind the trigger. 
it's the same with social media, with child porn, with all of the things that are going on there. So, Robert, do you have a proposed solution to these problems? I think our solution is the same solution we should have for everything. We should enforce our laws. We should, again, as the parents who've called have said, we need to do our job as parents and, you know, do our job and not defer to other people to set our society standards as far as what's acceptable and what's not. It's our job to do that in our home. All right. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate that call from Gonzalez, 512-836-0590. Here is the CEO of TikTok, Shu Zi Chu. He says they strictly enforce guidelines designed to protect young people on their platform. Our robust community guidelines strictly prohibit content or behavior that puts teenagers at risk of exploitation or other harm, and we vigorously enforce them. Linda Yaccarino is the CEO of X. She says, uh, we are very open with our algorithms and we're doing all we can to protect young people on X. We're applying to the Technology Coalition's Project Lantern to make further industry-wide progress and impact. We've also opened up our algorithms for increased transparency. I think I heard this morning on Todd Nas as well that X is uh, going to hire a team of people and create an office here in Austin. And their job will be to look for, find, and eliminate some of this kind of contact, content related to sexual abuse of children. I, I, I know that Elon Musk, ever since purchasing the platform, has been a, a, he's been championing that, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that. And I assure we talked about this earlier there is zero chance that they will not be using some sort of technology that will make their job so much easier. And to think that Meta or any of these other TikTok, all these other companies, they don't have that same technology, powerful beyond what we can imagine. To do this is, you know, we'd be naive to think they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Kevin wants to uh, talk about FBI Director Chris Ray. We played the soundbite of Ray right before the top of the hour news. Ray was testifying before Congress. He said the FBI has already detected and thwarted major efforts by China to set up a system to disable our key infrastructure if they wish to do so. And he says they continue those efforts, and uh, it is very alarming and a major threat to the safety of American citizens. Kevin, welcome. How are you doing, Kevin? Oh, doing well. Uh, great show. Thank you. Hey, uh, you know, we've been hearing this for years, I guess, with uh, ransomware and taking over pipelines and our critical infrastructure. And it appears to me that the FBI and Christopher Ray is behind the eight ball, and now they're struggling to create some awareness about what may happen they, that, that they can't stop, like has happened in the past 20 years. So I think that, uh, you know, I hear the Obamas are making a movie about uh, something about these same lines about what happens when we all wake up tomorrow and the Internet doesn't work. And nothing works. Medical devices, utilities, uh, finances. So uh, all this talk about uh, Facebook and teens, I guess, may take care of itself if the Internet goes down. Well, Ray uh, said that he's very, very alarmed by what China is doing. And uh, he said, I can't stress how serious I am about this. Uh, he says they, they're trying to set up a system so that, for example, if they decide to invade Taiwan, 
they could knock out our electric supply, water supplies, things like that, and deliver a crippling blow. Well, how can the Chinese be 50 times advanced than we are on cyber technology? Well, they're not. I don't think he was saying their, their technology is more advanced than ours. They've just become very adept at, uh, in a very stealthy manner setting up a way that they can take out our infrastructure. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said, Kevin, for example, he said uh, there are lots of routers that are aging routers in the United States, and the Chinese have figured out a way to infiltrate those routers in the private sector and uh, set them up to be used for these mass attacks if they wish to launch one on our infrastructure. He said uh, that's that's kind of a soft underbelly that we hadn't even thought about. These very old routers that are that have almost outlived their lifetime. Yeah. And they're all throughout the private sector. Yeah, sounds like Bill Back Better should have uh, attacked that first. Yes, sir. Kevin, thank you. You have a good afternoon. Yes, Brad. So, what do we do about this, right? I mean, is this a threat to our country? Right? Is China, is this a direct threat? Is it just something that sort of is lying in wait in case something, in case we do invent, in case we do something about Taiwan and then this happens? What do, what's our response to this? What does Christopher Ray want us to do? Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I did not hear his direct answer. He, he just said, we're working night and day to detect and debilitate all of these efforts by the Chinese. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a scary, scary thought to take down all the infrastructure, uh, that would be, you know, like what Austin did during Winter Storm Uri. Yes. I mean, if that had lasted a month, two months, three months, six months, if you know, which is what would happen if they took down our infrastructure, we would be, it would be civil war, be fights in the streets, people, like, it'd be real carnage. It'd be devastating, yes. yes. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Brad Swale, 527 News Radio, KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Great to have you with us. It's 531. Melinda returns tomorrow. Brad Swale is here. Kyle is producing. And this is Doc on this hearing today at the Capitol concerning the social media platforms and all of the bad things that are happening to our youngsters online these days. Doc, welcome. How are you? Hey, Doc. Yes, sir. How are y'all? I'm just fine. Thank you. Very good. Welcome, Doc. What are your thoughts, sir? So it's a three-pronged approach that needs to be taken to resolve and improve this situation. It will take all hands on deck to do so. Number one, we're seeing some cases go through and have for a while where these kids involved in gun shootings at schools where the parents have been successfully charged, indicted, convicted, and sentenced through the legal system for their part in allowing the child access to that gun. Secondly, as the other caller referenced, yes, the computer, the internet is a tool, but the research is mounting on the negative addictive effects of computer use and social media. Mm -hmm. Therefore, 
We have these situations over the past couple of decades where high school and college students have been charged, indicted, and convicted and sentenced in cyberbullying cases where violence or suicide has occurred using that medium, but through their efforts. So then they pulled the trigger. And lastly, we should, in Texas at least, nationally better, see Florida one step further, raise them a couple of years, make it where they're banning kids' access to, to social media age 17 and below, not 16. So Texas should set the bar at 17, Doc? Absolutely, to okay. the day before the 18th birthday. Now they're 18, so they can go into the military and serve our country. That's that's you know that's the reality. That's fine. How do you enforce that? Do you think, Doc? Yeah. How do you how do you stop? You say, or oh, we make it 17. You can't. If you're under 17, you can't get on. How do you stop a 14 year old from getting on? Well, again, we bring in the parents. And do their part. If they're not doing their part, you got the legal system, as I've just explained. And it's very simple. Just take the door off the hinges or take possession of that device and keep it. All right, Doc. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. 512-836-0590. Uh, the states that have imposed the age limitations, I think some of them are saying, look, parents have to also agree they have to say yes the age is appropriate i'll vouch for that i'll sign up and say yes to my my child being on your social media platform yeah or i mean maybe you know i don't know how you verify that maybe the the parent has to give them the credit card there's like a one dollar fee or something like that some nominal fee and that way you know it's the parent that's doing it and not the child mm -hmm. all right let's go to gary in South Austin, 535 at KLBJ. Welcome, Gary. How are you? Hey, Gary. Hi, I'm doing, I'm doing fine, gentlemen. Doc sounds like a guy I could have a beer with <laughs> and uh, have a couple of couple conversations with. It'd be a good it, time, it, wouldn't it, Gary? It would be a good time, I yes, bet. Yes, sir. Uh, anyway, the uh, you had a, a previous caller, Robert, and I'm not going to disagree with him and say he was wrong, but, but I'd like to tweak a little bit about what he said. Uh, first of all, so there's no confusion. I'm a gun owner. I'm a second amendments rights guy. I voted for Trump uh, both times. I'm going to vote for him again. But I, I think there's a big difference between what's going on in this cyber world. That's my, my word, uh, you know, versus the, the gun laws. In the United States, one state talks to another, all the states talk to uh, the federal government, and we have in place policies and procedures to prevent people underage from buying guns or people with mental illness buying guns. And if those were followed, we wouldn't, wouldn't have these problems. The problem as I see it with a lot of this sex trafficking, underage uh, girls and boys, pornography and all that, it's not coming from Utah. It's coming from Russia, the Ukraine, 
India, China, and frankly, the only way that I can see us getting some handle on this is, even though I don't really agree with it, is similar to what we do with bars in the state of Texas. You serve somebody 20 shots and they go out and kill somebody, they come after the bar. So if child pornography is being propagated on YouTube or Google or Facebook or whatever, we go back to them and say, you got to police your own house. Anyway, that's my two cents. All right, Gary, thank you. You have a good one. Um, He said uh, a lot of this is being produced overseas, which may be the case. However, we have some of our own criminals right here on our soil. They're U.S. citizens, sexual predators who are lying about their age. They're luring teenagers into devastating circumstances. Uh, We have criminals who are drug dealers right here on our soil who are using these platforms to connect with young people and sell them drugs. Kids have no idea. Fentanyl is loaded in as well. They think they're getting Percocet, and they're dying as a result. Yeah. So the danger is also right here on our own soil. These predators, these monsters, have figured out how to use social media to their own advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And on the, the, the point about the drugs, yeah, they don't know if they're getting fentanyl. A lot of times it's going to be laced with fentanyl. We all know that that's a big problem. But another issue with social media is that people, it's not real life. People are posting pictures of themselves with filters. They go on a vacation. It's the best vacation they've ever had. They go to the gym. It's the best workout they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about, say, for instance, drugs, you know, the the people that are posting about that, they're not going to show the negative side effects of drugs. And your child, is, who can't discern reality from not reality, they're going to see these posts and think that there's, you know, even if it's not fentanyl, even if it's just, you know, meth or whatever, right? They're going to see someone having fun, right? Mm-hmm. Someone having a good time. They do it, and they're having a good time. Look at look at how good, look how much fun they're having. It must be fun. It's an illusion. Right. Yeah. Anna is with us from Round Rock. It's Mark and Brad Swale. Hello, Anna. How are you? Hey, Anna. I'm f- Hi, fine. Thank you. Um, so my comment, everybody's talking about the kids being on social media. It starts with the parents. I don't know if you've ever seen a family out to dinner. The parents are on their phones. They're not engaging with their kids. I'm in dental. I'm telling a parent about their child, and the parent says, I can't get them off of YouTube. And I say, you're the parent. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I can't get them off of YouTube. And I'm like, take the device away. Oh, I can't do that. I said, you pay the bills. You take it away. You teach your child. I can't do that. He'll be upset. But yet, you also talk to the parents, and they're on their phone. I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to somebody, and they stop to go look at a text message, or they're picking up their phone to go see what's on TikTok or to answer a phone call. It's not just the kids. It's everybody. And sometimes I feel like people are so out of touch with reality because they're so absorbed with their phones, they don't know what's going on around them. We see it when they're in cars. Look at how many accidents have happened because people are so absorbed with their phones. Look at when they're in a grocery store, they stop in the middle of an aisle looking at their phones. 
So, Anna, do you, do, you, do you have any thoughts on how we can reduce some of the uh, bad things that are happening to our kids who are on social media? You know, the one caller who said it starts at home yes, with the parents, thought on, thought on. I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. We didn't have all this. We were outside. We played with our friends. Our social media was, if you got that one phone call, you better hope that, you know, you're, somebody was home if you were calling them because there was no answering machine at that time either. Mm-hmm. Um, but you went outside. You went to their house. You knocked on the door. You met the parents. You talked to people. We were social. Nowadays, everything is done through a computer, through a phone. People don't know how to be sociable anymore. They don't know how to talk to each other. And that has made us more dependent on these devices. And I agree with what the, what the mother said. You know, if you don't start it at home with the family, you're doomed. We are, we're putting devices in front of three-year-olds to make them happy so that they don't start crying. They don't get bored. They don't bother us. That's not the way to go. No, great point there, Anna. Thank you very much. That screen becomes a babysitter of sorts. Yeah, it certainly can. Uh, I've seen it a million times. I've uh, thankfully avoided that with my kids. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you have a teenager, unplug the router. Get rid of the wireless. Turn it off. You're the boss. That's right. You're the king of the castle. Change the password. Yes. Whatever you need to do. It's super easy. And if they get mad, let them get mad. 512-836-0590. 512-836-0590. Join the conversation with Mark and Brad Swale, 543 at KLBJ. And now, back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. We'd like to get your comments on that hearing today in the U.S. Senate. The CEOs of the major social media platforms were there in person, under oath, testifying before a Senate committee. The topic was, what can we do to reduce the danger facing young Americans on the social media platforms? Some of the senators, like Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar, suggested change the law to allow people to sue the social media platforms for harm that comes to their children on the platforms. Uh, others are going in a different direction, but we'd just like to get your thoughts at 512-836-0590. Also today, in presidential campaign news, Bloomberg is out with battleground state polling. These are the seven key battleground states, and Trump is leading in all of them. Even in Michigan, Trump is beating Biden by five in Michigan. In Pennsylvania, Trump is up three Uh, The three-point advantage in Pennsylvania is the smallest advantage Trump has out of all seven of these battleground states. I, you know, I guess the, I'm looking at Newsweek right now, and it's related to this. It's from today. It says Bidenomics is working in battleground states, right? That's what Newsweek wants us to believe. Bidenomics is working in these battleground states, but it doesn't seem like the people in these battleground states agree with that. Seems like they don't think Bidenomics is working. No, uh, they they know what they're paying for things. Yeah, and nothing overall is going down at this point. No, things are still much higher than they were when Biden first took office. Yeah, and people 
people know that. They're living with it. Uh, Bloomberg also asked these people in the battleground poll, if Trump were to be convicted of a crime, would you still vote for him? 53% say probably not. Probably. Probably not. That doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they won't vote for him. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I guess, you know, what crime is he convicted of is obviously important, but at the end of the day, it's also who who is he against? Is he against Biden? I think a lot of people are still going to vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, one more story on the presidential campaign trail. The Washington Post is reporting on what's happening in Michigan, which Biden's team says is a must-win state. Biden has to win Michigan if he's going to be victorious in 24. Michigan and Pennsylvania are must-win states. But the Washington Post says Arab Americans and Muslim Americans are gathering steam in their effort to keep Biden from winning in 24. They're so angry over his support of Israel that they're now pledging they will not vote for Biden, even though Arab Americans and Muslims are a reliable voting bloc for Democrats. That's, I mean, is Biden even that vocal of a supporter of Israel? Not not anymore. He's been moving away from his initial statements. Yeah. If you've been watching and listening closely, initially he was very supportive, but he's been critical and urging them, giving them deadlines to end their combat operations. And he's doing that because he he's well aware his pollsters are telling him you're in trouble in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's the way it goes, right? We get, in, you know, the, the government's trying to do everything for everybody and everyone wants to say, do exactly what they want the government to do. And now you have to do things based on polls rather than what's right and wrong. Yeah. The Arab Americans and Muslims say there's no way we would vote for Trump. So they say what we'll probably do is just vote on the local matters and Michigan matters and not vote for any presidential candidate. Not even RFK, huh? There are 300,000 voters in this category. Biden won in 2020 in Michigan by 145,000. Oh. So th- those votes are very important for yeah, him. Yeah, they are. Uh, Celine is calling at 550. Mark and Brad Swale. Celine, welcome. How are you? Hey, Celine. Hey, Brad. Hi, Mark. Welcome. Social media and teenagers. And and I um, found exactly the same as the previous lady. I think her name was Laura. Yes. I think she already said half of the things that I wanted to say. That it, we're taking a bottoms-up approach to this, like from kids to In fact, we should really look at it from a top-down approach. Uh, parents and teachers are the biggest influencers and inspirers to the children and family. Mm-hmm. And these days, what have we have even seen parents, not just about social media, parents buying uh, their two-years-old, three-years-old iPads and they make it the necessity of life. It's not the kids asking for these techno gadgets the parents are introducing these as a necessity for even uh even in the early childhood so the kid is is it's baked into their blood it's 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 now part of their respiratory system you see what i'm saying i I do Uh, i i do exactly they they grow up with it because it was placed in their hands at age two or yes exactly and now you cannot take it away i mean how many parents have any insight of what their children are doing on Facebook and Instagram or whatever social media channels? 
They don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because they are themselves busy in their own social media addiction. I mean, I'm not generalizing, but let's talk about most of the people. Yes. And uh, one way, I mean, we can all talk about problems, but I wanted to give some suggestions about the solutions. Like, why can't parents introduce a reward system for their kids to be on their gadgets? Nobody is asking them to take, you, take, take them away, but make it a reward system, like a carrot and stick approach. You uh, do these chores, you keep your room clean, and then you do all your math homework. You, then you get uh, 30, minutes, 30 minutes time on social media or 30 minutes time on. Yes, I, I, I like where you're going with that, Celine. I, I guess we lost him, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold, Celine. Don't go away. Guys, see if we can reestablish the connection with him. Yeah. I mean, setting parameters around what your kids can and cannot do seems like the basics of parenting. But he also makes a great point that these kids that, you know, preschool age kids, elementary school age kids, they didn't know they wanted one until you put it in their hands. And it starts with your phone, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever, your tablet, your smartphone that you gave to them because you were staring at it and your kid wants to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's what kids are designed to do, to want to be like their parents. You're their influence. If you don't want your kids getting on that stuff, you got to put the phone down every once in a while. It's hard, I know, but you got to do it. And I think he's outlining a very reasonable approach to time management and expectations and... Uh, saying to the kids, all right, you're going to focus on your homework first and uh, your chores. If you do all of those, here's the amount of time you get on social media. Yeah. And when we say you're done, you are done. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fit. Yeah. And, and, and just help them learn. This is the way we're going to operate. Boundaries are extremely important as a parent with children. It's, I mean, it's important in all relationships, but with children especially, they will take advantage of it. Because right. they don't they don't know better. Yes. All right, uh, Celine, uh, I think we've reestablished that connection. Uh, we lost you when you said uh, set the boundaries, set requirements and expectations, and reward them if they fulfill all of those expectations. Were you going to make another point beyond that? Yeah. Uh, how many uh, parents parents should really look into? Oh man. All right. Unfortunately, we keep losing Celine. Uh, he's making some great points. Thank you, Celine. We appreciate it. Yeah. No, I, he, he was definitely making great points. Uh, I'm sure he would have made more. But, yes, setting the parameters, setting the boundaries, you got to earn this stuff. And if you don't do the things that you need to do to earn it, then you didn't earn it and you don't get it. Yes. 512-836-0590. Here's another story that illustrates how... President Biden's open border policy continues to put pressure on deep blue cities and states. This is Massachusetts, one of the bluest of the blue. Yeah. And Boston, very, very deep blue city. Residents of Boston in the Roxbury area, which is primarily minorities, are really angry now with their governor who has seized a complex of buildings used for youth activities, sports, recreational facilities. The governor has come in to seize those, kick all the kids' programs out, and says we're going to spend $500,000 making these ready to house illegal immigrants. We're out of space in other facilities. We need your youth complex, Roxbury, and we're taking it. 
on 48 hours notice. And the residents are up in arms. They're furious, Brad, over what the governor's doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's the appropriate response. They should be furious. This is your tax dollars paid for this for you to use, and now you can't use it because illegal immigrants are being treated as uh, above you, first-class citizens, and you're second class. And I don't know what, yeah, you should be furious. Absolutely furious. It's the same thing as when they close the school. Yes. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a terrific evening. Brad, thanks for sitting in. Thank you. A lot of fun. We enjoyed it, sir. Thank you, Tiger and Kyle, producing. The news is coming up next. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.